Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. In this episode, we chat to Charlie Martin, the first transgender racing driver. Charlie was awesome, chatting not just about her remarkable journey through gender reassignment, but also her career aspirations, personal plans for the future, her love of France, and some pretty good life advice as well. We hope you enjoy, and don't forget to like and subscribe. Just search for the Motormouth Podcast on your favourite podcast platform, where you can also leave us a review. And don't forget, you can download the Motormouth app where you can get live race times, exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. So welcome to episode six of the Motormouth podcast. We've got a special guest as always who we'll introduce very shortly but first of all I feel like I haven't seen you Harry for about six months. I know I sort of did the last podcast and then uh, ran off for about a month. Where you been? Tell the people. I've been uh, Edinburgh for the Fringe Festival. I've been doing a show up there for the last few weeks. Um, so I'm absolutely exhausted. I bet. Uh, but it's it's so much fun. If you get if you, if you get the chance to go to Edinburgh and particularly during the fringe times, it's just like it's so much fun and it's so busy and packed. Was and but it's not too like overwhelming. But it's just like it's such a nice city to go to because you've got obviously like some all the really nice buildings, so many shows to go and see, and art and film and TV. And then also you can just go to the countryside whenever you want, which is quite nice. Lovely. What was the show? Uh, it was called Seasoned Professionals. Why, um, why were you wearing big bunny ears? Because I was playing the Easter Bunny, obviously. <laughs> uh, a, uh, a, it was a farcical comedy all about uh, your favourite festive faces. So I was the Easter Bunny, you had Dracula in there, uh, Father Christmas, Ms. Claus, uh, St. George as well. And we, the whole idea of it, it was a family show all aimed at uh, families just to... Um, and we all work in the same office in Canary Wharf. Uh, and due to budget cuts, uh, one of them has to go. Uh, so it was sabotage or everyone, every bunny for himself. Um, and yeah, it went down quite well. So Good. I think we might even be doing it again next year. So uh, oh, watch well, the space. Don't yeah. leave me for too long. It was a bit depressing. I know. Sorry about that. What were you, what did you, what were you up to? Uh, nothing. Oh, right, okay, I, I've just been working like a dog. I haven't done anything interesting. Uh, oh, yes, I have. Oh, I was at the W series. Oh yeah. Um, I went along. Um, I was invited by the W series. Someone's thank, doing well. Thank you to mm. them. Um, Hayley, um, Girlfriend of Callan O'Keefe. Oh, yes. Invited me. So went along. I was in W Series HQ on the Saturday for practice day. Saw some DTM racing, which I had a go at you about on Insta because I know how you love Paul de Resta. I'm a big fan of Paul de Resta. I, I didn't see him up in Scotland, so I'm still on that one. He was probably a foot from me. <laughs> I, I touched his shoulder. Yeah. Thought, <sighs> thought of you. Thank you. Um, but it was really good, actually. It was an amazing day. W Series setup is awesome. Um, and Jamie, obviously, who um, I used to manage, won it. Brilliant. Really happy for her. So she's off to the Caribbean, I guess, or to buy something very expensive with yes. her newfound <laughs> wealth. Mm. Um, but it was it was a brilliant, um, brilliant championship. And um, I'm pleased for, for the whole team there. Um, had a chat with Coulthard, which was nice. Oh, DC. Yeah. A lovely friend of Motormouth. We are going to try and get him on the podcast. Mm. Um, over the next few weeks, which is quite exciting. So yeah, I've had a, I've had quite a good actually, quite a good couple of weeks. Nice one. Well, we've been talking away, uh, but we do have a very special guest uh, for this episode of the podcast, um, and we've actually been doing some teasers online, haven't we? We have, uh, but I think people guessed quite, quite, quite straight away. Really, so it's the eyes. <laughs> Charlie Martin joins us on the Motormouth podcast today. Charlie, thank you so much uh, for talking to us today. How are you? 
I'm not bad, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on the uh, show. Sorry if my eyes gave it away. Yeah. <laughs> it was all that was showing, wasn't it? Because we had a picture of you in a in a race helmet. I don't know where it was from, but um, what we could see was your eyes. But people did guess. Oh, um, before we get any further, and I don't know whether you're um, you're a, a hat person or not. I quite like hats. Yes, excellent people answer. Don't wear, people don't wear enough hats, frankly. Oh, well, here we are. Well, I got you a present. You're in luck. I'm wearing one. Um, it's the Motormouth cap. You are part of an elite club now. Yes. Um, obviously, you. you've got these massive cans on your head, so you can't try them on now. Um, try the cap on now, but it's a, it's a small medium, which I think will do you fine. I have a very tiny head. Well, there you go. See, that's the problem. I can't wear one cause, unless it gets bigger ones made because I've got massive heads. They just oh. look ridiculous on me. And you do have a semi-fro a semi-throw? <laughs> I had a haircut it's today. It's bouncy. Unbelievable. Um, so yeah, there you are. You have to wear that everywhere you go now. Thank you, I will. You've joined a club of you, Bobby Thompson and uh, Callan, Callan O'Keefe. He won't wear it because he's got And Kelvin Fletcher. Hair. They've all got one, I think. Yeah. 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 One of the elite now. Perry didn't get one. No, no. No, he, uh, no, he didn't get one. <laughs> what did he do? Did he upset you? He had too much yeah. hair to, to wear it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we digress again already. <laughs> Go on, Tim, take over from here. So, you're, you're, um, you're the one that does this bit. So, Charlie, um, British racing driver, 37 years old, one year younger than me, um, born in 1981. It's your birthday this weekend. It is, yes. Congratulations. Is. Happy birthday yeah. for, for uh, Saturday, is it? Saturday. It, it's Saturday, yes. Perfect night birthday. to have a birthday on. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, and it always falls on bank holiday weekend. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah, lucky me, huh? Two-day hangover. And it's, all, it's not just the day then, it, it is your birthday weekend, surely. It's, every, always, each it's day. always my birthday weekend. Yeah. Across the world, it's my birthday weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you were born in Leicester, mm-hmm. um, and you came into racing quite late, comparatively to most people, um, after leaving university and went into the, the Hill Climb Leaders' Championship in a Peugeot 205, no less. I did. At 23 years old. Tell yes. us a bit about that first foray into racing. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have started racing long before then but it just wasn't something that was on the cards for me really so I um one of my best friends at school his dad raced and we used to go away with him at the weekend and we'd be camping and um you know right in the paddock and everything and I just just really got into it so my friends started racing too and I was like "Uh, you know maybe I should give this a go and uh yeah year left uni no money, like all students. Yeah. And in um, debt, probably. In debt, actually. Not even having not any money, just minus money. Minus money. And then you decide you want to go racing. Yeah. I mean, what could be the a better thing to do <laughs> than that point in your life, really? So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I I bought a Peugeot two hundred five off actually through my friend's dad that raced, and it was a it was a half finished project which sat in a garage for four or five years, and I mean at that point in time I got no family history of motorsport. I don't know, didn't really know anything about running or building or racing a car. And I got this Peugeot back and it had wheels on, but that was about it. It had no <laughs> interior, no glass, no. Oh, God. I remember getting it back to my mum's garage and being, just looking at it and being like. Crap. Kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like half really excited and a half like, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. I've just spent all my money that I've saved up for all summer on a, on a shell. God, we love a Peugeot though here at Motormouth. We do do love a Peugeot, don't we, Tim? We do love a Peugeot. Who doesn't love a Peugeot? Exactly. They make good cars these days, by the way. Yeah. I hired one the other day. I think it was the three three zero zero eight, maybe. I don't know, but it's weird. It's got a really tiny steering wheel, and rather than looking through the steering wheel at the dash, you look over it. It's a totally different setup. 
I do that anyway. That's what, oh, yeah, mm. yeah, how, so how long did that did the Peugeot mm. career last? Um, it took me a year to. I mean, I sprayed it myself. I would say I'm pretty proud of that. Yes. What colour? White. Uh-huh. Classic. <laughs> it's cheapest paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put I put the the Group B rally decals on it. Nice. And I I raced that for about, I think it was about four years. Yeah, something like four years. And, um, you know, I did bits and bobs to it. Loved that little car. Wish I still got it. Um, Sold it to a guy from Ireland. I think it's over there rallying. It's probably been rolled by now. Yeah, had a good life. It's had a good life. No, actually, I, so when I first started getting more and more into motorsport and everyone was telling me about how they first started and hill climbing gets banded about quite a lot i didn't know what that meant i didn't think because it's now looking it sounds quite straightforward you just climb up a hill but what is that what exactly is involved in it, it, a hill climb yeah well i mean this is the thing is that hill climbing really probably was about the first type of motorsport yeah. it was literally drive up a hill yeah and hopefully your car will get up the hill um because you know in like 1910 yeah cars weren't that good um so it's it's basically a tarmac course it's very narrow and in the uk i don't know 1200 1600 yards something like that and you have to just you know you start at the bottom and the clock goes as soon as you leave the line and you just drive it as quickly as you can you get two practice runs and two competition runs and the cars are split into classes so you have everything from hot hatches to single seaters Mm. and stuff like that over in europe which is where i always really wanted to go and compete there they do it on closed public roads so it's more like a proper rally stage, only, you know, five, six, seven kilometres. But you have to memorise it because you don't have a co-driver. Yeah. Um, and you can imagine over a course of that length when you've never driven it before, it's quite, especially like the first season, it's like a lot. Every weekend you're having to learn this new course and every bump, every turning point and all these things. And yeah, it's phenomenal. So is it is it a bit like doing the Goodwood Festival <laughs> Speed Hill Climb, It's like, but as a, a season long gig? Yeah, yeah, it's like Goodwood Festival, uh, Festival of Speed Hill Climb. I mean, that's like a typical British hill climb in a way. Yeah. Um, but over in Europe, you're in a closed road, so you've got more room. And you've got other things you can hit, like buildings and trees. And yeah, stuff. yeah. So you've got to be really brave and a bit mad. Yeah. I think. But racing wasn't the first thing that you wanted to be. I think I think it was on the um, the Natalie Pinkham podcast, which you didn't do too long ago, mm-hmm. where you mentioned about being wanting to be a fighter pilot. Yes. So how did that end up be fighter pilot into into racing driver? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, how did fighter pilot come about, first of all? Where where, where does that come from? Well, I was a child of the 80s, so yeah. Top Gun was obviously my favourite film. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I cannot hear, like, Highway to the Danger Zone without thinking about yeah. Tomcats and homoerotic beach volleyball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Angry men saying, God damn it, Maverick. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I, that was my favourite film growing up. And I just loved the idea of flying fighter planes. Yeah. And so for up until the age of about 11, that was all I really thought about. Um, but I'm really, really bad at maths and physics. I remember my mum having a bit of a kind of heart to heart with me and being like, yeah, do you think maybe it's just not going to... I think she didn't want to see me go all the way down that route and mess my heart and soul yeah. and time and into it to just not make it. Because I wouldn't have wanted to be like doing anything other than the pilot, basically. Yeah. Mm. The one that shows off. Yeah. So motor racing seemed like a logical <clears throat> kind of step to... Um, 
avoid you crashing into the, the ground or anything like that? I think so, yeah. I think because I was already going racing the way at the weekends with my friend and mm. his dad, Hamish, um, at Shout that out. point in my life. It was, yeah, it just, I was like, oh, this is quite fun, you know. And I think when you're right in the middle of the paddock and you're surrounded by all the cars and the sights and the sound, even like the smell of it, you're just like, wow, this is... This is pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, you yeah. know, that excitement never goes, does it? It's weird. It, yeah, it's, that's, you, that's it. You know, you can't be in that environment and not feel your heartbeat kind of raise up a little bit. And I think as well, that point in time, games like Gran Turismo that came out, I mean, I grew up playing that, really. That was yeah. kind of probably how I replaced go-karting, was just playing Gran yeah. Turismo. Yeah. So while all that was going on, that you're getting into racing, you were just sort of finishing up university at the time mm. and, and then finishing... Yeah. Let's just talk about university because I just we inter- I interviewed you back in January. I think it was was it this year? No, yeah, it was, it was yeah, this year, it was wasn't it? Um, and um, we discovered that you're a graphic design a designer, a pro at it. Well, yeah, I mean, not completely pro, but yeah, I did my degree in, yeah. in graphic design and uh, at Nottingham Trent. And yeah, I mean, I, art and design was always my thing growing up. You know, that was um, that's what I loved doing, and so it was a natural thing for me to do. And I mean, it's been a great it was a great degree to take because it's been so handy. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I use it for so much stuff, like all my own website and videos and brand ID and everything. And, and I, I, you know, I really enjoy it. It doesn't really feel like work to me. So no, that's it's, uh, so it's a great asset for you saving money and also you enjoy it, I suppose, at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I think, gosh, if I was actually paying someone to do that, yeah. it, would, uh, it would, you know, it would, be, it would be a real drain on my resources. So it's great that I can, I can do that myself. So after the, uh, the, the introduction to your hill climbing mm. um, in your Peugeot 205, you moved on to European hill climb 2015 to 2017, driving a Formula Renault. Tell us a bit more about this stage of your your career. So I went over to France in 2014 in my Westfield and I did a round of the French hill climb championship, which I'd already heard. I'd always heard about this race you could do in um, in Brittany where they open it up to loads of English drivers. So it's really easy to come over and do it. And I'd always loved the idea, you know, I'd always seen years and years before that, I'd seen clips on YouTube of European hill climbing. I was like, it looks mad. I've got to do that. So I went over, did this race, literally no expectation. I just wanted to go and have the experience. And I, I really love France too. And speak And French. speak the lingo, don't you? I do, yeah, I do. Yeah, fluent, yes. right? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. So I went over and did this race. Long story short, I absolutely smashed it. Like I, I won my class by three seconds, which is a wow. country mile, and yeah. I broke yeah. broke the class record by two seconds as well, which was pretty pretty emphatic. And I just had the most amazing time. And I came away and I said, right, that's it. Next year, I'm going to go and do the French Championship. And all my friends back in England were like, oh, how are you going to do that? How? What if you crash? How are you? You know all the kind of normal things and I was like no 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 it's going to work it's going to I just got this dream and it's it's going to be great it's going to be amazing and so I sold my Westfield bought a Formula Renault um, built a kind of motorhome come race van in about four months and went off to France in 2015 and did my first year in the championship and it was it was nuts to be honest like looking back on it now I can't believe I did it but it, it was probably the best thing I've ever done and competing in a Formula Renault mm. uh, excuse my naivety with, with hill climb I'm, I'm really not familiar with it so do you compete against other similar vehicles you go up against other single seaters or how does that work yeah well this is one of the things that really attracted me because I was competing in a class in England where people are in Caterham's and Westfields and 
people were just spending crazy amounts of money on their car. And I had a pretty quick car. Like in the wet, I could I could finish in the top two, top three in my class. But in the dry, they were just monstering me because I hadn't got, they got 100 more horsepower and traction control and paddle shift and all this other stuff. I was like, well, I could spend a hypothetical 30 grand on this car that I'm never going to get back. Or I could spend less and go and race in France because there, the Formula Renault class is like a one make uh, oh, series. series. So everybody's in, you know, an identical car with a sealed engine and you've got Michelin or Avon tyres and, and it's down to set up and driver skill. Yep. And I just thought, awesome. That's it's like single make hill climbing series you know you don't really get that often in hill climbing and uh, and it was great because it was really close competition and it wasn't about who's got the most money um so you know it's what, a, what a refreshing way to yeah. do motorsport yeah you know it's it's just crazy money now isn't it with you know the the money people have to spend even at karting level is is obscene and with uh, that it's literally the, the way you achieve is through your own your own skill, skill. yeah you know you don't get that rather so than how deep days. your pockets are exactly yeah yeah, and, and you know, it was out of all the racing I've done, those three years in France were just, I mean, it was like a constant adventure. It was really hard work because I was doing it all on my own and like going backwards and forwards to the UK, leaving the, leaving the van at Leon Airport in Longstay car parking. So like, I'd fly out on a Thursday, um, Thursday afternoon, drive to the place, Friday, get the car out because it literally everything just been jammed in the van after mm. the last race. Get the car out, prep it get it ready for the race, wrecky the hill on my little moped. <laughs> like a, I don't know, like a 100cc moped or something. Did that uh, make it up the hill? <laughs> it was quite slow. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine like some of the hills are quite steep. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh. like in the second year, someone would like generally lend me a car. Which, which was, <laughs> Took pity on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Please just take the car, Charlie, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's Charlie rolling backwards on her moped again down the hill. Yeah, like ladies, it's dangerous to stop driving. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then Saturday you'd, you'd practice, Sunday you'd compete. Um, and you get three runs over there as well. So you get one more than the UK. And then, yeah, bundle everything in the van, drive back to Leon Airport on Monday, fly home, go to work, <laughs> and, uh, and do it all again two weeks later. Were, were your family quite supportive? You said coming straight out of uni, then racing, and then already abroad. That must be quite. That must have been quite full on for them as well. Just sort of you sort of saying all this, and then were they quite supportive of the racing career? Well, I mean, yeah, because I worked in a family business with my two older brothers. Yeah. Um, for the whole time that was happening, and they were a bit like, I don't know. I think they got a bit fed up with it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think, I mean, I'm, I, I do feel like I'm the black sheep of the family, really. So I think my, my racing has kind of sometimes been a bit of a like, what do you mean? But you've only just got back from France. What do you mean you're going to France? You're going again? again? Or yeah. Like, yeah, I'm doing a championship. So, um, so, so yeah, I mean, they, they give me a lot of rope, really, to play with. I've got to, I've got to credit them with that. So, um, mm. yeah, I, I was I'm quite lucky in that respect that I had, a, had that flexibility. And then you completed that in 2017 and moved on to your endurance racing. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So um, towards from kind of summer onwards, I did a bit of racing up in minis because I, I made up my mind that I wanted to go into circuit racing. And so I went and did some, um, some racing in a Celtic Speed Mini Challenge up in Knock Hill, the three rounds. And uh, yeah, that was a baptism of fire. And then I basically the normal prototype that I was racing that season, there was always the option to race in the, in this endurance series. So I, I said, yeah, you know, I could budget to do one race. And I looked at the calendar and there's a race at Le Mans. 
obviously on the Bugatti circuit in November, but it's a three-hour endurance race in a prototype at Le Mans. I was like, yes, I'm doing that. So it was almost, you know, it was almost like my first, one of my first circuit races and certainly my first endurance race. And, uh, And it was amazing. It was just, especially having driven the car on a hill climb where you've got you know you're pushing it but you're pushing it within certain parameters mm. and on a, on a on a proper course to get in it and really stretch its legs having that hill climb experience mm. was that oh i'm assuming part of that was obviously very helpful but was it was there an element of baptism of fire very much stepping into that circuit for the first time yeah i mean because on the one hand you've got the fact that you're like i'm at the Mans. this is nuts last time i was here was 2003 when bentley won and i was a spectator and i'm walking into the wow. garage with my kit bag over my, i never that, that moment will never leave me you know with my kit bag over my shoulder um just just yeah thinking wow you know i never imagined i'd be doing something like this yeah yeah and um and yeah, I mean, it was difficult because I'd never, I'd never driven in a car for, you know, I'd never even really done much circuit racing. So to get in and, and be driving for like an hour or something like that, it was, it was intense, you know, and other cars and things and pit radio in French. Yeah. And all this kind of thing going on. But um, yeah, I just stepped up. I mean, I remember I was quite nervous getting through that weekend. I think I, I think I remember saying a little prayer <laughs> on, on Sunday morning. Turn to religion. Yeah. yeah, literally. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was a crazy experience. We finished third. So, um, not standing, too shabby. Yeah. That's a very good day. Yeah. Standing on the podium. And yeah, that's really what inspired me to think, well, if I can get this far, then I'm going to aim for whatever the biggest goal is. And that's obviously the big one the 24 the hours 24 hours so was that where it sort of mm. the seed was in your mind like this is where I, this is the direction of racing i want to go i think so i mean if someone had said you know here's here's the euro millions what are you going to do tomorrow i'd have, I'd always sort of said yeah the 24 hours but it's like for so long that just felt like how on earth is that ever going to happen that i would probably never really I even admitted that to myself. Yeah. But I think standing on that podium, I thought, wow, you know, I never thought I'd ever get to this point mm. in time. And, and also to be doing that as me, you know, as a yeah. woman, as my true self, just made it even more surreal. And I thought, wow, yeah, if I can, if I can do this, then who knows what I can do? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Why Sky's not? the limit. Exactly. Anything feels possible right now. Yeah. So yeah, it was buzzing. Amazing. And, and then you, your, your podium success continued um at the race of remembrance another endurance race um raising money for mission motorsport mm-hmm. where you finished second in class yeah we did and you're going to do again <clears throat> hopefully this year yeah i'm um, so i'm um, i'm lined up to do it with the same guys again um it's a great team of us and um yeah it's just it's such an amazing event um really if anyone's looking for something to do motorsport wise that's not you know that's quite accessible um go and do that event because it's just the the experiences you know racing on anglesey in november um you can imagine the weather's pretty fearsome yeah but um the there's obviously so many so many of the people with the teams and everything you know it's all arms like people who are ex-armed forces or current armed forces people who suffered ptsd or had uh, had physical injuries from from conflicts that they've been in and uh and bringing people together and using motorsport as a way to to help rehabilitate people, help give them purpose in their life, and just 
it you can't really sum it up in words i think you have to go and do it and see it but it's just yeah it's it's really really a moving experience to be part of that i wanted to this is slightly off piece now Uh-oh, and i've noticed that you've removed it from your notes but it very much remains in mine oh god uh ninja warrior uk did uh, i remember I did, well i can't see it on the screen no, it's, um, down, it's down there. It's Ninja down. Warrior UK. Mm. What? So you? So if if you're a big fan of Ninja Warrior UK, primetime ITV uh, hit show, Ben Shepherd uh, hosting it, absolute legend. Long was it? Chris Kamara and Rochelle Hughes Rochelle as well. Hughes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What a lineup. Um, now you, you took part in this in. I haven't got the date down there, but there we go. Well, how many was it? Three years ago. I, Three I, years ago. I think it was 2016. Yeah, but it actually went out in January 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert: you conquered the wall pretty well <laughs> by a finger. Yeah. A couple of fingers. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. So, what what drove you to take part in that? And what were you sort of what was, what was going on at the time where you were like, yeah, you know what, Ninja Warrior UK, let's do it. Well, do you know it's a funny story because I I don't watch television. Um, really at all and I didn't even know what it was and I was around at one of my brother's house at the weekend and he was talking about it and I was like what what ninja what I said, ninja warrior you know and I'm like no, no no I don't watch television remember oh yeah, yeah. so he shows me on his mobile phone um because his daughters are really into it yeah. and and it was the final and um and it was like we're recruiting now for series three or series four or I think it was three and I was like oh that's awesome I'd be really good at that I'm gonna have a go and I think my brother was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, okay, really? Really? Okay, watch me. Yeah. So I, I put my, you know, I did like a little video um, audition for it, a little video clip and put my hat in the ring and I made it through all the, uh, made it through all the auditions. And um, you did it in a time of three minutes and three seconds. Yeah. Is that good? I, I think so. I think it was like a six or seven mm. fastest in the day. Nice. I mean, it was, it was really, um, there was this thing called the I-beam because I was quite late on in, you know, everybody went before me and, and you just saw everybody stacking on this I-beam because you had to get around this kind of right angle bend. And so, yeah, I've seen all these people before the water and you're a bit like, oh, man, oh, no. <laughs> the I-beam's brutal. Yeah. And, and I remember being on it and you can see it actually in the video when I got kind of halfway around and I just started slipping and you just see my hands like slip down the thing. And I had this moment when I was just like, God damn it, no, I'm not going to be beaten. <laughs> and I just gripped and, and pulled myself up it. And uh, yeah, then we made it up the wall. It was a big hug from Ben Shepherd. Oh, nice. Well, a nice little sidetrack there with Ninja yeah. Warrior. Yeah, um, no, yeah, four, four million people watch that, you know? Yeah. Or nearly four million. That's almost nearly as many that listen to this podcast. Yeah, we're three million and <laughs> something far away. But uh, we'll get there. Um, 2018 then, uh, you joined up with Richardson Racing in Ginetta GT5. Ginetta's mental, crazy racing. Um, supporting the British GT Championship. Um, and I guess this is when I became um, aware of um, some of the work that you're doing for transgender rights, um, transgender education, getting the, getting the word out there. Um, and you uh, led a campaign for drivers to run with a rainbow sticker on the side of their car during the, the Silverstone round um, to celebrate Pride Month and show some support for diversity in motorsport, in a, I guess in an industry which historically is relatively old school um, and um, I guess not that accepting sometimes of certain um, things that may, might be perceived as different. So tell us a bit about your time in Ginetta's and, and how this idea around Silverstone came about to celebrate Pride Month. 
Yeah, so Janessa GT5 Challenge seemed like a really good championship to go into because I needed to get a ch- get into something where there was going to be, you know, again, really close close racing, single make series, everybody's got the same car. Good exposure on that package, being part of British GT, and especially doing a couple of the uh, British Touring Car rounds as well. And, um, and also, you know, close racing in that type of car. It's, you know, you're becoming three, four cars wide into yeah, a corner fantastic. so it was really good fun hustling that car it was quite a challenge because it didn't have any you know i've been driving driving cars with downforce yeah. for three years so that car feels pretty loose when you get into it and you've got to really drive it at 10 tenths it's quite yeah it was it was difficult learning it actually i thought i thought on the face of it oh it's got less power than other things i've driven you know it's not and it was like no it's actually a really really difficult car to um to get everything out of um and yeah, at the same time, I guess coming back into the UK, not really being known over here, like any driver, you know, I'm trying to build my profile, I'm trying to get myself out there, get myself known. And I thought, well, if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to tell everyone who I am, I want them to know that I'm trans because I believe that visibility is a really important tool to to educate people and to create change in the world um when i was growing up i didn't have any role models because basically i couldn't see any trans people i couldn't see the kind of woman that i wanted to be and in whether that was on television in the films in a career in sport or anything so i really believe it's important to use the profile and the platform that i have to to inspire change and to inspire positive change and so yeah it was it was a real leap of faith into the unknown because they i you know, i couldn't look at anyone else and be like yeah you know they did that they were fine yeah everyone reacted really well um so i just yeah i mean i i, I had a i have to thank damien cross at influx for helping work with me you know and write my story in a way that i was happy with and uh and include a lot of the stuff about me not just like I'm Charlie Martin, I'm trans. Yeah. It was like, you know, I'm Charlie Martin, I'm this and that, Ninja Warrior, blah, 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 and I'm trans. Mm, Yeah. I think that trans people often get kind of badged with that, you know, that being trans is a thing that defines us. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, it's just, it's just part of who I am. Yeah. There's loads of stuff, but it's, at the same time, it's important for me to, I think the point we're at right now in society and in this point in time, you know, to, to say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm proud of who I am. And, um so so yeah i mean i really i really uh did quite a lot that came from that that initial experience of coming out on trans day visibility in march yeah and you know inevitably there was quite a bit of interest in my story and that led to june pride month at silverstone big race of the year supporting british gt and i'd been thinking right i want to do something and to be honest it, it all kind of happened quite organically because i'd I got a, a vinyl company I, I know to just print off a massive long reel of rainbow and I hadn't even really thought what I was going to do with it and um, initially I was just going to try and try and put some on my car and maybe ask people to, to run them and then it ended up with me speaking to SRO the, the championship organiser for the British GT Championship and because I think it became apparent that really if this is going to be successful, I need to explain it to people. It's no just, you know, it's no good just randomly going around the paddock and going, do you mind putting one of these on? Do you mind putting... And it, it was a chance to stand there in front of all those drivers at briefing on Saturday morning, which was 
really terrifying. Don't be honest, that's a scary, you know? yeah. There's like, you know, Darren Turner and Nicky yeah. Team and, you know, all these factory drivers for makes like Aston and whoever else. And there's just me going, well, this is why this is important. But everybody was really receptive. And I stood by the, you know, I said, to, you know, as allies, you have a real opportunity to show that, show that motorsport is inclusive. And by running one of these stickers sends out a really, really powerful message to people you can't really argue with that a nearly, a little sticker a nearly, yeah. well everybody did it I took 130 and I said to a few friends before I went I was like I've got 130 do you think I've got enough and they were like yeah I think you're going to be alright <laughs> don't worry if like people don't take more you know trying to kind of yeah, soften the yeah. blow thinking you know I'm going to give out about five and they were I stood at the back of the room and like started giving them out and everybody was taking them and then like I had some left marshals was coming out they were on the pace car and the safety car I know I could have given out. I reckon I could almost given out double. That's amazing. It was crazy. I wouldn't think motorsport would be like that. I've got to say, you know, because it it can be an old school traditional place to be. There's the there's the image of it. You know, it's quite a patriarchal image, isn't it? That it's, yeah. it's motorsport is mm. is for men, despite technically always being you know a, a male and female competing on an equal level sport. Yeah. You know, I was really I was really blown away by how well it went, and uh, you know, and the story went. I, I don't know I'd say it went viral I mean it was on we, we tracked it it was on something like 35 websites yeah um, you know Jalopnik and Motorsport wow. News and you know Autosport and you know all kinds you know some national stuff too yeah. Um, Sky yeah it was mega yeah, and, then, I mean, and then to get the marketing award for it as well brilliant it was really amazing recognition yeah so. I mean that's certainly when I became aware of you and, and have you got plans to do similar things again in the future because obviously it was so successful is there something you can do that's what you know one step further yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Le Mans happens in June. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I can see your eyes like lighting up there, yeah. Yeah. But I think there's pro- there's still a lot of um, na- understandable naivety, um, not just in motorsport, but generally, that you must have come up against in your, in your journey so far. Yeah, I mean, continually I meet people and especially like going through transition the first few years when you know, I'd pe- meet people and they could tell I was trans. So it was like, I was always just rather have a conversation with them about, you know, being trans yeah. and, and kind of just disarm any angst or, you know, anything that they might be feeling. Cause they're like, Oh, I've never met a trans person. I don't know what pronoun to use or whatever. And so you do end up being a bit of a, an ambassador for your cause, whether you like it or not. I was going to say, you're sort of that's, mm. yeah. Do you feel a need to almost educate everybody is that something you enjoy or is that something you it can be a bit of a burden sometimes a bit of bit of both yeah. i mean you know the times when i for just for don't even think about being trans and i and i'm in a certain social context and i'm don't necessarily want to have to talk all about it but sometimes you end up you know that happens yeah um and other times you know a lot of the work i do now is um like motivational speaking and going into companies and talking about my story and also helping them with their own kind of in, you know internal trans awareness and educating their employees and senior management and senior leadership and so they they can kind of understand my journey in a way that will help them make their company culture more inclusive yeah so so you know that is kind of part and parcel of what i do but yeah it's sometimes you 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 just kind of have to i think you just have to kind of accept that a little bit if yeah. you're and, and to me I, I care about this and i care about mm. making a difference and i'd rather speak to people and educate them yeah. and come away and think 
oh, you know, I've just changed that person's understanding. And I suppose you've got to talk about it because you, you've, you've put yourself out there, haven't you? I mean, yeah, since, since totally. I, I was looking at your YouTube channel and got back to your first ever video about seven years ago. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, that sort of really raw, um, you know, young person talking about this experience, which is all about to unfold in, in the public yeah. eye through your YouTube channel. It's fascinating mm. watching. Um, but I suppose when you put yourself out there like, like that, you're going you're gonna to have to continue to, mm. f- to field questions about your your experience yeah and I, and I think that's it I and I, I accept that and I I you know I love doing what I do and I love motorsport and I love racing but I also see the the kind of bigger sense of responsibility almost mm. so what I'm doing now it's it's like a bit of a, a life mission for me mm. and I and I really you know, I do really, um, I do really care about trying to have an impact and trying to change the world in whatever way I can. I think you're doing a brilliant job at it. By it's the way, incredible. It's incredible. It, ha- having since we knew that we were going to have you on the podcast, Harry and I have obviously done our research and been over your YouTube channel and your other interviews and read all about you. Oh, and it's, you. it's you've been seriously enlightening um, for us. And it's I think you're doing a terrific job at conveying the message. You know, getting the right message across. Um, incidentally female racing at the moment or female sport I should say is mm. on a bit of a high we've had the, the football world cup we've got the W series which has been a huge success like we've said um, W series what are your thoughts on it do you, as, a, as, a, as a series do you agree that, that there should be a female only championship or do you think girls and boys should be competing on a level playing field together I mean I've got to say I think like a lot of people I was quite sceptical when it came out because yeah you know Equality is at the heart of everything that mm. I, I preach. So naturally, I was a bit like, mm, don't know if this is the way, right way for motorsport to go. Um, but having followed W Series this season and seen, you know, I mean, they had some pretty bold ambitions. And I've got to say, I'm really impressed by everything I've seen. You know, I was at Brands the other weekend for the finale and... Um, you know, the racing's been close, it's been fair, it's been exciting. And um, and I think now I understand what they're trying to do with it more. I think it's it's a pretty awesome, um, pretty awesome thing to be doing. I think, you know, ultimately, yeah, like segregation in motorsport, it's, it's, it's going to... People are going to want to discuss it and say, is that the way it should be going? Because it's, you know, it's one of the very few sports where men and women compete equally. But I think, I think equally, I think the way it's worked out this year and what what they're trying to achieve with W Series is, is yeah, you kind of get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm the same. I mean, I, I had mixed feelings about it when it when it first came out, and kind of had the view that, um, you know, it shouldn't matter what gender you are, if you're in a sport historically that you know girls can go to drive in formula one if they want to they can take part in the world endurance championship it doesn't matter and they're competing on their own merits but having seen it having been to the event like you, mm. you know, brands hatch the other week i was just so impressed by it and and like you say the racing was quality i mean yeah. some of the overtakes and the moves were absolutely first class it was good watching the thing i i wonder is having i have to admit i haven't followed it that closely this year but is it a series that is just for uh, just to be used as a stepping stone to get women into mm. other major league motorsports or is it a series in its own right that's where i i don't know what, what it is there well, i think i think because you know in, on the first count um yes it is because i mean say you've got to look, you know, 
brilliant example, Alice Powell, mm. um, you know, she won at Brands Hatch. She's not raced for something like five years coming into W Series this year. Um, a week after standing on the podium at Brands, she's just announced she's got a drive in IMSA with Mayor Shank Racing. Um, that's incredible. So yeah. proof, proof Success. Thing, you know, that's, mm. that's reinvigorated her career and pushed her on to do something that she's, she's clearly very good at. So, but I think in the other right, you know, it's when um, I've never seen so many young girls at, at, a, at a race yep. weekend. You know, in 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 like you know in little mini, mini races, yeah. cheering for all those girls, and you're like, that's really profound. Yeah. That's not something that you see, and you can't argue with that. Like all those girls are like, they look pretty pretty excited at the, at the prospects of you know the idea of getting into motorsport. Yeah, and in ten years or so, when those girls are you know fifteen years old, and <clears throat> who knows what they'll be doing. Absolutely. And, and the beauty is now that um, the well, next from next year, those W Series points count towards a super license to get you to Formula One. Yeah. So you know there, there's an actual um, there could be a massive change on the horizon, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. These small ripples make big waves. Yeah. So. yeah, I mean you know whether it were, like you say about it being, being a series in its own right. Mm. I mean. I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how it grows because I'm um, you know this is only year one. Let's be honest. So yeah. So because the reason I that, do people will there ever come a time where people are striving? They're in one series, but they want to be in W series. That's sort of what well, yeah. you know. Is it going to be overtake F one? God forbid anything does. But that's <laughs> sort of that's where I was a bit unsure on those two levels. But as you say, I think that that week the Brands Hatch weekend proved that yeah. it's doing something quite incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I was. Um, as, as I'm sure a lot of people, you know, left with, with a very, um, yeah, like, wow, mm. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we could see you in the shootout, couldn't we? There's, there's eight, eight, you, eight yeah. spots up for grabs. Would you ever? Oh, <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the, the first, is it the first 12? Stay, the, the top 12 stay top, in it. Top, or, top, top 12 get, a, get an automatic place. They get an automatic place. And there's, I think there's eight more that but can come can, in fresh and they'll do a new shootout. Right. And go for it from there. Yep. Yeah. So well, what's great about it actually coming from a, a broadcast mm. size that, that such like a major UK broadcaster Channel 4 showed it this year I think yeah. that, mm. that in itself was key to probably the success of it because I think that yeah. it's all about that as you say you know as a racing driver you want to build up your profile and that kind of yeah. thing what that W Series doesn't just offer a platform for girls to go racing but a platform where they can be seen yeah. by people yeah you're reaching all those people yeah. on Channel yeah. 4 I mean it's massive yeah. isn't it mm. Mm. so we'll see you there next year yeah cool <laughs> <laughs> no comment. It's Moving good, on. It's as good uh, as a yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just going back to um, your racing timeline. So um, we've done your Ginettas, the GT5. We've done your, your Silverstone round of that. Then in uh, 2018, you did your first test in an LMP car, um, the uh, LMP3 car at uh, uh, Chamblay in France with racing experience again in a Ligier. Yes. Um, that must have been a cool experience. They're, they're a hell of a piece of kit. Oh, that was really a pinch me moment because I, you know, it's like a full on Le Mans prototype with the clothes cockpit and everything you get in it. And it's like, pull the door down and you've got that kind of view um, where it's like, a, it is like a cockpit, like a fighter plane. And yeah, it was mega. Then you fire up that five litre V8 yeah. <laughs> like, it's a proper sounding engine. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. 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 And was that a one off or is, mm. is this leading to something? So that was um that was initially just a one off test and I um yeah, and that led to me entering the Michelin Le Mans Cup this year with racing experience in a in a Norma M thirty. And um yeah, with the goal of 
basically you know competing now in in endurance racing which was uh which has long been my ambition so um yeah it's been you know we had a fantastic first race we uh didn't didn't do a huge amount of testing because um we got the car quite late on and even so paul ricard race one um managed to put it fourth in quality which was really cool and we finished fourth in the end um so it wow. was uh yeah, it was with a little testing. That's uh, it, it was a really great start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really something, and a big, you know, big learning curve as well going into that mm. that car and that series and everything. So, yeah. But I mean, they're a fantastic team. You know, really, really awesome team. Lovely people. The family team. They've got it's pretty much a fifty fifty split, men and women as well on the team, which is very unusual. That's nice. So we've got female race engineer. Um, we've got female mechanic, female pit crew, and uh, yeah. a female driver. Right. Amazing. Yeah. And um, again, just harking back to one of your previous interviews, um, I heard that you now regard yourself as a better driver now that you've transitioned than, than you were before. Mm. So you know, why, why do you think that is? Um, well, basically, I'd put that down to the fact that... Um, so, I mean, on the one hand, transition was the scariest thing I could ever imagine doing. So if you imagine, like, everyone in their life probably has some massive demon or, like, some huge thing that they're like... This is super scary. I'd love to just conquer this goal. You imagine doing that, you know, whatever that thing is, taking it head on and just doing it and absolutely nailing it and coming out the other side and being like, wow, I'm so happy. I never thought that would go as well as it did. And I'm over the moon. It's such an empowering feeling that you feel like anything is possible. And that's literally how I felt. At the same time, that was all happening when I went off to race in France when I went and met a whole group of people that I'd never met before who never had any kind of, you know, never never met me prior to transition, just took me as they found me. Then you know, I made a lot of friends because I spoke French and everything. And I just started believing in myself. My confidence just rose. And I started pushing myself harder and harder because there's no, you know, I'd gone through something like 25 years or so of my life basically trying to living in denial like having this thing in my head like every day like oh my god you know I feel like I'm in the wrong body I feel wrong how can I ever be me you know and then just trying to like pretend that's not happening using actual physical energy to like basically just not not think about it yeah so you stop doing that as well and I suddenly I can like focus I can think clearly because I'm not using this energy combine all those things together and I just started pushing myself like way harder in the car you know, hill climb you've got to be brave yeah. you've got to really go for it yeah fully committed and i just started having results and i just started getting on the podium and and it and it all just everything just started clicking and flowing and 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 yeah i mean it, it was really a revelation if you look at what i won prior to transition it's not really a lot yeah. of trophies if you look at what i've done since it's like it's like two different people and also do you think you know with you've you've experienced and felt both sides of the coin you've, mm. you you know what it's like to be a boy you know what it's like to be a girl yeah girls i guess have a slightly different mindset to boys in a car perhaps and obviously with the lack of testosterone mm. that you now experience do mm. you feel like maybe you've got a better head for racing than you did before i, I feel like i can concentrate a lot better really <laughs> yeah i mean you know and this isn't me trying to be funny or anything i just I, you know I, I did feel that when i started taking hormones and so there's two things that you do take blockers to stop yourself making stop making testosterone and then mm. you take oestrogen because my body doesn't make it. Yeah. 
And so when I got that kind of balance in, and, you know, loads of, so many other trans women say this, it's like you, you get this kind of feeling of calm because wow. it's like your body has been all your life. Your body's just been like going, no, no, no. And then you give it what it wants and it's just like, finally. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it was wow. like this really profound sense of just being like, okay, what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I can think, I can focus, I can apply myself. It's a new lease of life. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And I, and I think in terms of, yeah, in terms of like actually getting in the car and focusing and thinking and and there's a really interesting concept to explore there. You know, it's really... Cause people, you know, there's this whole kind of debate raging about, you know, trans women competing in sport and everything. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I suppose, thankfully, the sport I compete in, that's not really an issue because men and women yeah. competing together and et cetera and stuff. But I think, I, but I find that a really, really fascinating um, process. Yeah. You know, it's what goes on in your head, really. But now, yeah. you, but now you've been through this mm. entire process and you've fully transitioned mm. and you have no testosterone. You, you are as female as the next female. Yeah. So there is actually no reason why you couldn't compete in any female championship. Now, I'm not talking just W Series, yeah. but if you decided to go and be a, a, a triathlete, yeah, yeah. you could do it on the mm. women's side. And I have found, wow. you know, I don't, I don't tend to run competitively. I mean, I run a lot, but I run for fun. And... Um, I'm slower because I've lost a bit of strength and I've probably put a little bit of weight on from, you know, body, what was body muscles to some fat there yep. and stuff. And it's, you know, and it, and it actually ties in with everything that science says, which is generally there's this 10 to 12% difference between men and women. So yep. yeah, exactly. From my point of view, I could, I could do that fairly and I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like I'm, mm. I'm cheating. No, so, absolutely yeah. not. But I think that that would be that education piece again, wouldn't it? Because you are, you are going to get those people mm. who naively you know, and wrongly will say, well, no, she, why should she compete in the, in the women's series? She's not a woman, but you are. And, well, and science proves it. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, science does actually prove as well. If you've had testosterone in your body, in your body, your whole life, and you suddenly remove it and you replace it with estrogen, you do lose strength. Mm. You know? So it's like, even though like, you know, my physical bone structure is the same, I'm not as strong as I used to be. Mm. And, um, that's just, yeah, and I know a lot of trans women who's competing in sport, who play football or, mm. um, you know, all kinds of sports and also the same, you know, to each other when there's no point, you know, there's no point of lying to each other, you know, it's not, it's not achieving anything. It's like, no, that's just the, the consensus amongst everyone I know who's, who's been through that experience. Do you find that is now changing with people who are sceptical? Because you've got, I know you've been asked this question before, but people like Martina Navratilova and mm. Dane Kelly Holmes, all these people have, you know, aren't, don't agree that uh, trans should take part in in a male and female segregated sports. Yeah. But you've since you've been you've spoken and been on an interview with Martina, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. How was that? And and is is I suppose this education is it having an effect and is it working? I mean, it was really interesting to meet her and um and be part of that program that uh, that they made. Um, I think I think that program did have an effect because I mean they tried to cover a lot in an hour mm. and you know there's so much to this topic to understand I, I felt personally it was quite balanced because I think they gave both sides the argument which is some, you know something you have to do something mm. like that um, and I think the conclusions that it came to that one of them being fundamentally we need a lot more research to fully be able to understand this or at least on a, on a governing sport to be able to put 
rules and regulations in place that actually work on a practical level. Um, because at the moment, all we have is the IOC guidelines, which which is uh, trans women have to have, I think, 10 nanomolecules per litre of testosterone or right. less, which is a very, um, for a year, for one year, I think. But, but it's, you know, every sport is different as well. Yeah. People's bodies respond differently. There was a, there was a really interesting piece of um, research that was done where they basically got 700 elite athletes, male and female, from all sports, and they measured their testosterone levels. And they found that a quarter of the men had testosterone levels in the same, in the same range as the women who had, were in the upper, upper region. So it's like basically, I'm not saying like, obviously testosterone does have an effect, mm. but it's like testosterone isn't the only thing that defines athletic performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of research to do, I think. Do you miss mm. anything about being a boy? Being able to get up and not having to put makeup on. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that would do. That would do my head in. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. times when, and you know, sometimes I don't these days. But it's it's like, uh, yeah. Was that quite a skill to master in the first place? Having to oh. put makeup on because I couldn't even <laughs> like. I mean, I'd be. I, I'm an actor. I do shows and stuff, but it's put on me. I could never imagine doing it myself. Oh, I wouldn't it, know where to start. It used to take me so long to get ready in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember, like, yeah, my first year or so of transition. Because it's just, it's just one, it's one of those things, you know, if you don't, like, hundreds or like, thousands of times, you just you do it a lot quicker. It's, like, yeah. easier. It's, like, trying to... Uh, it was really hard to transition, you know, not to... Um, you know, when, you, when you're trying to learn things that, you know, girls who've grown up just their whole life, that's just been part of life, all mm. these things, and suddenly, you know, you're at a point in your life where you're 30 years old... And you, you say, right, well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm transitioning now. I live full time as female and every day this is how I live. This is what I do. It's how I function. There's so much to try and learn and, and you know, learn really fast and adapt. And because it was it was really hard when I was, you know, the experience of being, um, you know, being trans in public mm. is really difficult and it's scary at times because you don't know how people are going to react. And sometimes you find yourself in a space where you know you're in walking down a street at night and it's late and there's a group of lads and you don't know what they might do you mm. know they might just walk harmlessly past you or they might beat you up you know it's trans people face a lot of yeah. a lot of danger like day to day so all these kinds of things like that um yeah you you just you're just like i just want to blend in mm. i didn't want to have to kind of have have uh, put myself in danger or something but um but yeah, like learning to do makeup was, was a bit of a mission. <laughs> flip, flip that on its head then. What do you, are there any sort of everyday things you prefer about being female? Oh, um, everyday tasks or something like that. Everyday tasks. I mean, oh, you really got me there. I mean, I like being a woman in motorsports. Yeah. yeah. I think that feels really cool. Um, yeah. You know, when... Like when I was over in France, again, it's a typical example. Like I'd be over there working on my car and spectators would just be wandering around and they'd come up and they'd be like, hey, where's your, you know, and I'm like grafting on it and like, a, you know, doing whatever. And like, hey, where's your, where's your mechanics? And I'm like, oh, I don't have any mechanics. I am the mechanic. And they're like, what, are you the driver? And I'm like, yeah, I'm the driver and the mechanic. They're like, hold on, are you French? I'm like, no, I'm from England. And then, and then they're like, seriously? Yeah. And then, you know, you end up telling them the story and they, they just like, you know, you can tell people think that's really, really cool. 
you know, they they're like, yeah, you you you're kicking ass. Yeah, and it is cool being a female in motorsport because you know, outside of the W Series, there's not that many girls playing their trade. You know, there's there's one or two. Uh, you know, IndyCar, NASCAR. There's been, you know, Alice Powell has, uh-huh. has dabbled with IndyCar. Mm. Uh, you've obviously got Danica Patrick, got Jamie Chadwick, who's sort of everywhere at the moment, mm. and some yeah. of the girls in there. But there's not that many. Um, on on the main circuit, so um, yeah, I guess it, it, it attracts attention in its own right, just being a female in, in a racing car. Yeah, absolutely. So, Charlie, what's the the steps you need to take now to get you to the grid at the Le Mans Twenty Four Hour? Um, so, really, I mean, I guess I, I need to build up some experience yep. in endurance racing. So, um, I, I'd originally seen that as like a two to three year, well, like a three year sort of plan, really, to try and reach it, and um, a big part of that also is getting the financial backing I need yeah. to do that yeah. so I'm really you know trying to connect with companies and form partnerships with companies who really believe in the power of my story and the power of that story to to have a an impact a positive impact on people and who want to who want to kind of come along for that journey and be um be a big part of it so but um but yeah i mean it's it's hard work i mean i think that's one of the misconceptions sometimes about drivers i mean i, I guess you know obviously there are drivers out there who who just you know come from a come from a position where they've got really good family backing um for me probably 90 percent of what i do that goes into getting me into the car is all the work i do away from the circuit yeah, yeah. and it's knocking on doors it's hard work it, it is hard work and it's you know it's demoralizing at times because you do get told no a lot of the time but you just have to be strong and you have to believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing and mm. keep grafting away and um you know from wish you know people could see how hard i work because it is it is never ending sometimes yeah you know? no i'm sure i'm sure um just t- changing tack slightly um who's your best racing buddy who's your best pal in motorsport oh my mate jerry neary okay yeah um so um jerry is um a guy who i raced with back in england in hill climbing in, when i was racing with westfield and um he's a lovely guy and he's one of the first people I told in racing that I was coming out <clears throat> and I kind of um, I kind of asked him to go out and tell other people in the paddock really and explain what was happening and um, <laughs> and so he was he was kind of like my, my conduit really and he was just such a cool guy I mean he was surprised but he just took it all in stride and all the way through the last seven years he's just been one of my biggest allies you know he's always got my back um, I see him you know, quite regularly we catch up for bites to eat or for some drinks or something. And um, yeah, he's just been been a really, really good friend. Awesome. Now, bef- we've got a little game for you in a second. And before I unleash Harry on our, on our soundboard, um, one thing that I'm intrigued about mm. is, and, and we've asked this of a few guests we've had now, is um, knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. having been through the last few years of transitioning and so on, what would you, if you could go back to, to Charlie from 10 years ago, uh-huh. what would you say to yourself, or even your, your further, even further back than that, you know, what would you say to your younger self, knowing what you know now, to avoid some of the pitfalls that you've been through? I'd say don't worry about trying to have everything figured out don't worry about trying to make everything perfect because I think I used to obsess about small details in my life being as the fundamentally massive one that I couldn't control um you know so I used to focus on distractions and things I'd say yeah don't worry about all that stuff don't try and have a master plan for everything just focus on trying to be you trying to be the person you know you are and don't worry about what other people say just if people 
if people are going to be there and be there for your friend and love you then mm. they love all of you or they don't you know yeah people in your life for the right reason or the or they're not there at all yeah yeah great advice so yeah i just say yeah and sometimes put yourself first because i think for a long time in my life i used to worry i used to put other people in front of me the whole time and get your priorities straight yeah, yeah i don't mean like be selfish but i think i i was self-care I self-care yeah i mm. think i just used to to do do everything for everyone else and i was like actually you know sometimes you got to take care of number one before you can Forward, so. Do you feel like you're you're now at a point of complete acceptance? Like you feel comfortable mm. in your own skin? You know who you are? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I'm still. I'd say I'm. I'm someone I never think. You know, I'm always trying to learn, and and I, I love meeting people and hearing their stories and and everything else. But I think in terms of who I am, I'm I'm pretty at peace with the person I am. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. Right. We've got a little game for you. Oh, garment. Yes. So we started this last time with uh, Bobby Thompson. It's called Motormouths. So, Charlie, we're going to uh, play you four clips uh, from Formula One. And uh, now, only for, we, we, we love all series, but Formula One is probably the most mainstream in terms of being able to guess what we're on about here. Uh, so, we've chosen four Formula One drivers from any era. Can you name the driver, the location, and the context of what is being said. Good. You get three good points luck. for each one. Yeah, good luck. This is not easy. It is a tough one for everyone. You, you've made this quite hard, actually. Uh, <laughs> I have. Sorry. Uh, you get three points for each one. So total up for grabs is 12. Bobby Thompson leads the way, because he's the only one on the leaderboard, with seven points. Oof, okay. okay. So, I don't know how long this... Does, does this music end, or yeah, does it just... Pow. Boom, thank you for that. Right, okay, so uh, does, that, does that all make sense, Charlie? Yeah, I think I got it. Lovely. Okay, so I'm going to play you the first clip now. Any guesses on the driver? He sounded French. Oh, I don't know. Any guesses? Actually. We'll give you one clue. It's not French. Is it? Is it? Um... I'll give you the nationality. That'll give it away. Will that give it away, do you think? Go on, do it. Um, it's, it's, is it Hulkenberg? No. no. So we're looking at someone from Spain. Oh, it's science. Carlos Sainz. Oh, no. No. The other, the other Spanish who's not in F1 at the moment. Was. Uh, Was. Oh, it was Alonso. Yeah, oh, it's Alonso. Oh. So it was Alonso. <laughs> any clue? Any clue on where that was? No. It's on a racing track. Nice um, one. I, I, I don't know. I'll just pick one. Uh, Barcelona. Oh. Begins with B. Begins with Bahrain. Oh. Someone pushed him off the track. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll give you, I'll give you a point for push off the track. God, so that, that was. That's extremely generous. That was very generous, <laughs> but I feel bad. Um, so that was uh, Fernando Alonso in Bahrain in 2013. Yeah. Trying to overtake Nico Rosberg, basically, oh. and he forced him off the track. And because okay. you have to leave a width space, obviously, for your car. He's not, not happy with that oh. um well that was a struggle and i thought that was the easiest one so we'll uh <laughs> you're in all sorts of trouble <laughs> number two Can okay Kimmy? <laughs> you ready number two the, 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 there's background of music in this but just try it you, you i think you'll get it i should have known really that he's uh, so it's an english driver yeah yeah um was it um was it hamilton oh the other one not enough one retired oh, oh but- yeah uh, button yeah i was gonna say button first time round who do you think he's talking about that was mental who's mental 
Um, One of the most mental drivers around in the last five years. It'll crash into anything available. Grosjean. Oh, oh. What teammate at the time? Of Grosjean. Of Grosjean. Mm, oh. Um, he won a race once. Magnuson. No, no, he won a race. Maldonado. Yay! Yes. Go on, we'll give you that. Oh, yes, so Maldonado. And uh, any idea on where that was? Oh, um. Pick one. Um, Argent. No. no, no, Singapore. Singapore, Singapore. That one. All right. Well, you got one and a half on that one. All right. Only two more until uh, your pain is over. Um, all right. Number three. This is this year. You might. This you might get year. this. Yeah. I don't know. You have to tell me. Okay. No, that's okay. the hardest one. So it's Kimmy. Yeah, that's yeah. Kimmy. Nice one. Uh, he's saying, I don't know. You have to tell me. Um, it's quite a good impression. Yeah. <laughs> I love Kimmy. Any idea where that was? Uh, um, I'll give you a clue. In the previous two, it's the same place as in one of the previous two. Um, same track as one of the previous it, two. And it was this year. So... Um, it was Sandy. It it was uh, Bahrain. Yeah! <laughs> well done. And any idea what he's talking about? Uh, you have to tell me. Uh, so that was uh, Kimi Raikkonen in the Sauber, which he's driving this year. Basically, his uh, his his team uh, um, engineer asked him, uh, "How's the front wing doing?" And so he replied naturally with this. I don't know. You have to tell me. Okay. There you go. I don't know. You have to tell me. It's a fair point. Classic Kimi. Okay, that's two on that one. Final one, and then it's all over. This is my favourite. Number four. Here we go. See anything? Felipe, baby, stay cool. We're bringing you the white visor. Stay cool. We're in a good position. Okay? Felipe. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Massa. Yeah, yep. Massa. Yeah. Um, bring him the white visor. Bring the white visor. Why would he need a new... Why would you want a new visor for anything? Oh, because... Um, so that one was uh, Felipe Massa. I'll give you that one. You've got to point that out. So that was in Malaysia and uh, when it was pouring the rain, he, he was desperate for a new visor because it was uh, oh, all was fogging up. fogging up? Yeah. Okay. So Smedley, wasn't it? It was Rob Smedley, uh, his legendary uh, engineer. So at the end of all that, out of a possible twelve, Charlie, <laughs> okay. you've got one, two, five out of twelve. Whoa! Which I think that was well done. I think that's a respectable, a respectable score. Puts you second in place. second place. Oh yes, I love that. Out of two, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your generous. Um, You're very well. We're, we are, we're generous on this podcast. Um, lovely. Well, that was Motor Mouths. Uh, I, you like the name? Is it all right? You I think? did. Yeah, it's yeah, a good name. It's, I spent ages trying to figure that it's out. It's a really good quiz. It's yeah. just, it's just, you know. Well, I've got, I've got some mm. questions for you. Um, while we're still on the, uh, the yeah. racing front, um, Formula E. What do you make of it? What do you think of all this electric business? Oh, I, I like Formula E. I mean, I, I don't get to follow it massively. I'd like to follow it more, actually. I think it's um, well, it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, the things like the fan boost and bringing, you know, bringing a race series into city centres mm. and doing it in an environmentally friendly way. And that's pretty... Um, it's pretty cool, you know, and seeing how it's developing, you know, from when you think when it started and now all the driving, you know, it's crazy people want to how be in far it. it's come in the, in the first four in, years of it. Is it like, four years I think, now? Yeah. And, you know, you think, where's it going to be in another four years' yeah. time? Um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's good that we have an electric series because you know, that's where the way loads of road cars are going. Mm. I'm sure someone said to me the day Porsche 
said 2026, yeah. all their cars are going to be electric. Yeah, I mean, we'd all be buzzing around mm. in electric cars in the next like, 20 years or so, won't we? Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange to think that com- combustion engines on the road, at least, are going to be a thing yeah. of the past. Yeah. What, is, um, what is your daily driver? I drive a mini John Cooper work. Nice. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I wouldn't fit in that one, though. Aww. I wouldn't fit a bit of a tight squeeze. We, we know you don't. Um, okay, I've got one for you. What are you rubbish at? Okay, <laughs> how long have you got? Yeah. <laughs> Take as long as you need. <laughs> maths, physics. Do, have you got a maths GCSE? Did you pass? Yeah, somehow. I think I might have got a C. Uh, I never passed it. Oh, I got a B. Thanks what was your best subject then? <clears throat> Art. Art, of course. Yeah. Sorry, and, fr- and, question. and French, actually, as well. Yeah, oh, well, well. I was actually really bad at French, and then I changed schools, and within one year, I was, like, top of the class. Oh, so wow. I just had a really good teacher. Yeah. Your French is impre- I've heard you speaking French. It's impressive. Oh, thank you. Mm. I really love speaking French. With your art, do you like drawing, like, real-life cartoons? What's your thing? Do you know, I don't really... Do- Every year, I say to myself, oh, do you know, this year, I'm going to get back into drawing? Because I don't draw... I used to draw and paint, like, 24-7. And I and I just want to get back into drawing stuff. Should draw but, race cars and stuff. You yeah, like Paul, I should. Have you seen the stuff that Paul Oz does? People like that. You should uh, Google Paul Oz. Paul Oz. Oh, check it out. And it's actually, brilliant. also is it Graham Loudon, who used to run Marusha. Marana and Marusha. He's an incredible uh, uh, drawing yes. artist. He's drawn like yes. like Timo Glock and uh, really? the, the Marusha car, all just with a sketch pencil. Oh, I need. He's to incredible. Do, yeah, yeah. I'd it. love to get back. Into that. Paul Oz does like um, he uses like a knife and you know oh, wow. tools. He doesn't use pens or anything. Mm, or pen, you know, he, thick paint. It's really cool. Really, yeah, it's amazing. Um, where are you going to be in ten years? Um, all over television. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in France. Yeah, you're, you're going to live in France. You're yeah. big into France, aren't you? Yeah. Monaco, Monaco appeal. Or? Oh, I I don't know if that's going to fit in with my kind of I don't know five ninety nine lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> it was true. I was saying, oh, we were talking about Monaco earlier, but I went to Monaco for the Formula E about two years ago. Uh-huh. First time there ever. And I literally, all I wanted was a supermarket to try and buy some, like, we were in an Airbnb just in, like, Nice, uh-huh. just to get some milk and whatever, because we yeah. just arrived. And I, the only things I could find were the Chanel, Gucci, Bugatti, like, a whole <laughs> row of them, like, of, like, the most luxury shops. And I was like, there's not even a supermarket. You've got, if I want Seriously. something from Chanel, it's great. All the casinos right here. Can't, couldn't find a supermarket. <laughs> market ridiculous place is that not your scene you know i mean it big, is but it went up if i can af- when i can afford it <laughs> like, i just want a snickers just want a snickers all i want a cup of tea final three questions we do uh, ask these questions to every single one of our guests okay um so i'll kick off with the first one Go on, what's got you excited at the moment um moving house oh mm, yeah that is exciting yeah i'm moving out of leicestershire where to it's, it's near the sea. Nice. Okay. Turn this into a guessing game. It's really fun. I think I know Lovely. where it is. I'm not going to say anything. If I had a pen, I'd write it down. It's Oh, it's coming. It's Oh, lovely nice. place. I, that is a lovely place. I've, I've never even been there. If you know what? I'd recommend you it. You should. Yeah. Come stay. Yeah, I will. Never been yeah. there. Lovely <laughs> place. Um, weirdly, isn't there... Oh, no. No, no, Stop. Tim, no. Rewind. Rewind. No. Second question, Tim. Second question. Okay. If not racing, what would you be doing? Fighter pilot? Well, if they had a computer that just took over all the maths. Yeah. <laughs> I think they probably do, actually, don't they? <laughs> well, they, do, they do now. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually, uh, yeah, I think I know exactly what I'd do. I'd be um, doing, working in ski seasons in mm. France oh, cool. and surfing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Very yeah. nice. Tra- That's not tra- bad Travelling in, because I'm an absolute mountain lover. Yeah. Uh, and I love surfing too. Are you a good skier? Um, I snowboard. Oh. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm nice. rubbish. Oh, I'm a good skier. 
I hate oh, snowboarders. Do you? <laughs> I'm not one of those annoying people that's cut you up. Yeah, yeah or sits in the middle of the piece. Oh, no, good. Yeah, okay, I'm all about. The, I'm all about the back country. Oh, nice. Yeah, I do the gnarly stuff. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Harry, did you just slip in there? I'm a good skier. I'm a good skier. <laughs> I've been skiing since I was four. I know my ski slopes. Yeah, yeah that's wow. good, good. Yeah, I'm quite good. I can ski pretty much anything. So yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So you know, I didn't know that about you. No. It's impressive. Full of surprises. Yeah. Go on, you can do the next one. Okay, and the final one to you, Charlie. Um, how much of your success and, and your career is about luck and right place, right time? You know, how much is it just down to hard work? Because the people we've asked this to, it, it does split opinions on this. Okay, I mean, I'd say maybe it's 50-50, mm. but I mean, I don't make that... I mean, I, I work like incredibly hard all the time, but then I'm a massive believer in... In just coincidence and luck, and also manifesting your own kind of situations that you you know you focus on things and you attract things into your life. Like you know, got really into that sort of thing in the last sort of year or so. Um, so I don't know, maybe yeah, fifty because so many so many things do just depend, especially in something like well, like walks of life, but in motorsport especially, it's like a lot of it's like who do you know? Yeah. And those conversations, you suddenly some oh yeah, I'm going to put you put you in touch with this guy yeah. and. So I think I've always, I've always said I'm a pretty lucky person, to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a 50-50. Nice. That's it? great. Awesome. I did actually add a fourth. I have just seen that you've added a fourth. What, what are you scared of? <laughs> Spiders, jellyfish. Oh, jellyfish. Oh, I've been stunned by jellyfish. Really? Hor- horrible. Oh. Absolutely. I didn't really know what happened. It was just, a leg was in so much pain. Yeah, oh, I hate jellyfish. freaked me out. Really? Oh. Well, I think oh. that just about... That brings us to an end, doesn't it? There is so much more we could have covered. Yeah. We're going to have to do this again at a racetrack or somewhere and come down with a, with some cameras and, and, and continue because there's lots of other things I wanted to cover that we just haven't had the chance. But it's been really, really great talking to you. Thank you for coming. Really enlightening. Yeah. Um, but I think what you're doing is, is amazing. And like I said, the journey that you've been on is, is unbelievable. And I think the education piece that you're doing to try and teach ignorant people like me um, all about the transgender world and, and that, um, that transitioning phase is um, is fascinating and it's certainly opened my eyes mm. so so congratulations on that and also just congratulations on your driving it's all heading in a in a positive direction hopefully we'll see you on the grid in 2021 at Le Mans I said it in January I think you're incredible and inspirational so I think only only the best for the future yep. I'm sure it looks very bright should we go for a glass of wine oh absolutely come in Definitely. Cheers, Charlie. Thank you so much, guys. Pleasure to be on. Thank you so much for listening to episode six of the Motormouth podcast. Thanks so much to Charlie for giving up her time as well. We'll be back with another episode soon. Uh, we've got some cracking guests lined up for you over the next couple of months. But in the meantime, if you've missed any of our first episodes with racing driver and Fernando Alonso protege, Callan O'Keefe, Emmerdale actor, Kelvin Fletcher, the first ever Top Gear Stig, Perry McCarthy, our trip to Goodwood highlights episode, Bobby Thompson, and there is loads more content as well on episode. MMTV and the Motormouth app available to download on any device now. Like, subscribe and review if you feel so inclined. It really helps people to find the podcast and you can follow us on social media on Twitter at Motormouth underscore Instagram is at Motormouth underscore official and on Facebook we're Motormouth. Have a good one and we'll see you next time.